All right, we are back. Political theory and um, other stuff. Mike and Paul here doing season three, season three of political theory and um, other stuff. Our Twitter is at polytheorypod. Email is and.um.otherstuff at gmail.com. And the Patreon, the blessed Patreon, is Patreon backslash polytheory and um, other stuff. Today, like I said, we are starting fucking uh, season three, and we're super excited to get into an introduction to the three volumes of Karl Marx's Capital by Michael Heinrich. Uh, translated by Alexander, what is that, Paul? This is my best guess, Lacasio. Okay, Alexander Lacasio. Today, we are going to start with the preface of uh, an introduction to the three volumes of Karl Marx's Capital. And uh, Paul, do you want to start her off? For sure. Uh, and, you know, we just selected this just because we wanted to have something completely uh, not controversial. Uh, we know in America that Karl Marx is universally loved uh, and that his ideas and uh, economic interpretations are uh, the basis of what we do. So we figured this would just be a good thing to just kind of bring everybody back into a, a common uh, a common American hero. So, uh, but, in, but in all seriousness, this is important because so ma- many of us, uh, I- including ourselves, Paul and I, just don't understand, you know, what Marx said because, um, um, because we either haven't read Marx or uh, we didn't understand the, the parts we have read. There's so much misunderstanding. As Heinrich says uh, in parts of this book, there's so much misunderstanding about Marx um, that... Uh, it's good to get the information about Marx from someone who has spent decades of his life thinking about and, and reading Marx. Right, right. Um, perhaps a better source than, say, like Jordan Peterson. Right. Who has a lot of opinions on some shit he clearly never read. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, we're trying not to be in that boat. Yeah. Seriously. All right. So let's get started uh, with the preface. So, uh, And this book was... Um, uh, it was uh, published in 2004. So just a heads up for the time frame. All right. Um, protest is occurring again. In 2011, uh, this preface was obviously written post uh, the, uh, <laughs> the publishing of the book. <laughs> book was published in 2004. Let's talk about 2011. 2011. Yeah. <laughs> this must be like a second edition, edition or third yeah. edition sort of thing. <laughs> Oh yeah, the 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 second edition was uh, 2012. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, that makes a lot more sense. It doesn't. I can't find in the beginning or whatever who wrote the preface. So maybe I think Heinrich I think it's yeah, it's Heinrich. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Attempt two. Uh, protest is occurring again. In 2011, the Arab Spring rocked the Arab world and overthrew a number of rulers who once seemed invincible, at least to their own people. That summer, workers in several Western European countries were inspired by the actions of the Arab Spring. They conquered public places to protest against the policies of governments. And in fall 2011, the Occupy Wall Street movement began in New York, leading to Occupy movements in many other countries. Uh, It also brought us the wonderful Tim Pool. Thank God. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Since the banking crisis of 2008, more and more people are questioning capitalism. Is it really the system that provides freedom and wealth for the majority as it is promised by its supporters? Or is it the system that brings wealth only to the 1% and economic pressure and misery at different levels to the 99%? 
anecdotally, I feel that one. Uh, Today, even beyond traditional left circles, discussions about the destructive consequences of capitalism are taking place. That this is unusual is proven by a quick glance into the past. At the beginning of the 1990s, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, it seemed as though capitalism had ultimately triumphed around the globe as an economic and social model to which there was no alternative. Although there were always many on the left who did not see a desirable alternative to capitalism in Soviet, really existing socialism, such distinctions no longer seemed important. To most people, a society beyond the capitalist market economy appeared only as an unrealistic utopia, instead of a protest, accommodation, and resignation re- instead of protest, accommodation and resignation reigned. But it was also, and in particular, the 1990s, which showed that capitalism, even after its apparent final victory, continued to go hand-in-hand with processes of crisis and immiseration. And Kosovo, Afghanistan, and the first war in Iraq showed that wars in which developed capitalist countries were not just indirectly, but directly involved, were by no means a thing of the past. All this was taken up in different forms by new counter-globalization movement and other social movements and made the point of departure for critique. Initially, these critiques were focused on single issues and posed limited demands that remain within the framework of the system. Furthermore, the critiques often rested upon a simple black and white moralism. Throughout the course of these conflicts, however, fundamental questions kept being asked. What is contemporary capitalism's mode of operation? What is the connection between capitalism, the state, and war? And what kinds of changes are actually possible within capitalism? All great questions. All right. Leftist theory became important again. Every transformative practice assumes a particular understanding of that which exists. If, for example, we demand the introduction of a Tobin Tobin tax, that is, the taxation of currency transactions as a crucial means for the taming, quote-unquote, of the capitalism unleashed, then this implies a certain theorization of the importance of financial markets about tamed or untamed capitalism, whether or not these assumptions are made explicit. How contemporary capitalism functions is not an abstract academic question. The question or the answer to this question has an immediate practical relevance for every anti-capitalist movement. It is thus not surprising that since the end of the 1990s, grand theoretical narratives have been in vogue again, such as Empire by Antonio uh, Negri and Michael and Michael uh, Hardent, Manuel uh, Castell's The Information Age or recently published Debt, The First 5,000 Years by David Graeber. Such... Haven't you read that? Yeah. Yeah, Well, I listened to it. it, I listened to it. Yeah, and I I liked it a lot, and I like David Graeber. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Just wanted to shout you out. Yeah, and Chris read it, um, like, years ago, like a decade ago, and it was one of the first books that made him think, like, oh, I should read Marx because I want to understand this stuff more. Oh, heck yeah. uh, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a cool book. Um, such books, although very different politically and in terms of content, employ Marx's categories to a greater or lesser extent. Partly they are used to analyze contemporary developments. Partly they are uh, criticized as obsolete. It is obvious that today one cannot avoid Marx's capital if one wants to fundamentally understand capitalism. 
but common to these three books as well as many other publications in their somewhat su superficial treatment of Marx's categories, they often appear only as empty phrases. An engagement with the original is necessary, not only to, cr uh, uh, to criticize such superficiality, but above all because Capital, written more than a hundred years ago, gives a more comprehensive analysis of capitalism and is in many ways more contemporary than many of the pompously packaged works written in the present. That is such a good and important piece. Uh, by zero means am I ever going to claim to be a Marx expert. Um, but uh, on our side projects and stuff, we have delved into Marx a little bit. And the thing that shocked me the most was what he just wrote, um, which is that A, it allowed me a better understanding of capitalism and its mechanisms um, than anything else I'd ever read. And that B, I was constantly shocked at how modern the writing felt. Or how relevant. Relevant, yeah. There are some, you know, sections that f you can feel are dated, but the information and his predictions for what would transpire under capitalism are uh, unbelievably relevant today and are by no means, uh, to me, even resembling like the same categories as like the Federalist Papers or things of that nature, where it's like good for historical reference, but uh, in my opinion, woefully inadequate to explain modern life. Um, whereas yeah. capital, I think, is probably more prescient today or applicable today than even when it was written, perhaps. Uh, once again, that is coming from somebody that is uh, not a Marx expert, but has noticed these things uh, into my short uh, adventure into Marx so far. Yeah, totally. Uh, it is obvious that today one cannot avoid Marx's capital if one wants to fundamentally understand capitalism. What you, what you have to remember is that the majority of the globe, definitely all of the Western world, is under a capitalist mode of production. And therefore, what that really says is if you want to fundamentally understand our world. Um, and so th that's why, in my opinion, Marx is so important, because uh, without him, there's still you're still going to be missing a lot of, of potential understanding and clarification. Um, if we begin to read Capital, we encounter certain difficulties. The text is not always very easy to understand, particularly at the beginning. The three books, books girth alone is also likely to act as a deterrent. Under no circumstances, however, should one be satisfied by reading only the first volume. Since Marx represents his object of inquiry on different levels of abstraction, that mutually imply and complement each other, the theory of value and surplus value dealt with in the first volume can only be fully understood at the end of the third volume. Uh, what one believes they know after reading just the first volume is not only incomplete, but in fact distorted. Imagine what all these people who've only pretend to read Marx know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know, I know, seriously. <laughs> it is also somewhat tricky to understand the claim expressed in the subtitle of Capital, and which Marx also used to characterize his entire scientific project, Critique of Political Economy. In the 19th century, political economy broadly referred to that which we today call economics. But using the term critique of political economy, Marx suggests that he is not interested only in a new presentation of political economy, but rather in fundamental critique of all established economic science. Marx wants a scientific, in quotes, revolution, 
albeit with a political, social, revolutionary interest in mind. Despite all these difficulties, one should read Capital. The following introduction cannot replace reading the original. It is only meant to offer an initial, uh, initial orientation. A detailed commentary on the first two chapters of Capital, amended by commentaries uh, on further Marxian texts uh, dealing with value theory, can be found in Heinrich. Uh, what is this? Uh, wie das Marxist Kapitalism, which is like how. How does one read Marx's Capital? Okay, okay. A continuation of this commentary. All right. Readers should be aware uh, that they are bringing to this text certain assumptions about the nature of capital, crisis, and also the purpose of Marxian theory. These assumptions, which have been formed automatically by schools and media through conversations and conflicts have to be critically interrogated. The point is not only to engage with something new, but also to investigate that which seems familiar and obvious. This interrogation should begin with the first chapter. There we develop, on the one hand, a preliminary definition of capitalism that is different from many everyday understandings of the term. Additionally, we discover the role of Marxism in the workers' movement. The point is to show that there is, in fact, no such thing as, quote-unquote, Marxism. There has always been disagreements as to what the core of Marx's theory really is, not only between Marxists and critics of Marx, but also among the, quote, Marxists themselves. After the second preparatory chapter, which is dedicated to a preliminary characterization of the subject matter of capital. The preceding chapters roughly follow the structure of argument in the three volumes of capital. Chapters three to five treat the content of the first volume, chapter six, the content of the second, and chapters seven uh, to 10, the contents of the third. Uh, Marx planned, but never managed, to carry out an analysis of the state that would proceed as systematically as his analysis of the economy. In Capital, we find only a few scattered remarks on the state, but a critique of Capital without a critique of the state is not only incomplete, it actually invites misunderstandings. Chapter 11 will therefore briefly develop some points for a critique of the state. The concluding 12th chapter contains a short discussion of what socialism and communism meant for Marx and what they did not. Particularly, over the last few decades, many of the reductionisms of traditional worldview Marxism, oh my god, uh, Weltanschauung's Moximus, uh, Jesus, I can't read every German word, that turns out to be one of them. Uh, also, keep in mind that was just one word, I'll try it one more time. Weltanschauung's Moximus, okay. Uh, on this term, see chapter 1.3, we'll get to it, uh, have been subject to critique. This critique uh, has read Marx not only as the better economist, as the traditional perspective did, but primarily as a critic of a social structure that is mediated by value and thus fetishized. This new reading of Marx's work on the critique of political economy forms the basis of the present introduction. My presentation thus builds on a particular interpretation of Marx's theory, while others are dismissed. However, to remain within the scope of this introduction, I had to largely refrain from engaging with other interpretations. I explain my understanding of the critique of political economy in more detail in Heinrich, 1999. A discussion of the relevant literature can be found in Heinrich, 1999a. 
I don't know what that means. Um, chapter three engages with Marx's theory of value. I suggest that this chapter be read particularly closely, including by those who already believe they understand the theory and only want to inform themselves about topics that build upon it, such as credit and crisis. This chapter is not only the basis of everything that follows, the above-mentioned new reading of Marx's work is also particularly apparent here. In completing the German text of this introduction, I have received much support for the sometimes multiple critical readings of individual parts of the manuscript, for intensive discussions and important suggestions. My particular gratitude goes out to Marcus Broskamp, Alex Gaius, Jan Hof, Martin uh, Krizvidinsky, Ines Langemeyer, Heinrich Laboon, Koja Lindner, Urs Lindner, Arno Netzbond, Bodo Nindiel, Sabine Nuss, Alexei Petrioli, Thomas Soblowski, Dorothea Schmidt, Anne Steckner, and Ingo Stutzler. If I mispronounced your names, I'm sorry, but also thank you from us as well. Uh, and for the English translation, I have to, well, maybe we'll thank these people. I have to thank Alex Ocasio, who did the translation with enormous enthusiasm and engagement. I have to also thank Jim Kincaid and Chris Wright for reading and commenting on a first draft of the translation, and John Clegg for his support. Special thanks to Michael Yates from Monthly Review Press, who read and corrected the whole manuscript very carefully. Uh, and that concludes the premise. We felt it important to read those names just because um, it's, it's good to know how much work goes into everything uh, and that, you know, all this is done with the and community. And then it's always, yeah, it's all collective. It's all work we do together. Yep. But next time we will be doing uh, chapter one, which is capitalism and Marxism 1.1. What is capitalism? And I'm fucking stoked for it. Me too. Me too. Uh, as always, thanks for listening and have a great day.